Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. wasn't simply a, a moral man who lived his life in order to direct people, hey, this is how you need to live. He, he didn't simply live as an example for man. He wasn't uh, one who was the plan of God that somehow got interrupted by the schemes of man and the evil one who arrested him and crucified him. No, this was God's plan all along. God had sent him to be the sacrifice. His body isn't still laying in some grave right now, rotting away there in Jerusalem. No, because him, God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Jesus isn't just a good guy that people remember for being inspirational. He isn't a prophet whose extreme views got him killed. Pastor David reminds you today that Jesus is the all-knowing Omega who came here, allowed himself to become man, and allowed himself to be sacrificed for all of mankind. He did this so that you'd be forgiven of your sins. Now by acknowledging what he's done and who he is, you're offered a seat in his kingdom. Allow him to transform your life. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he continues his message, Without Limits, Without Borders. always best not to assume you know the need of a person or even the planned purpose of God unless he reveals that to you directly. Cornelius's response was pretty well straightforward. He says, we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Cornelius believed that that angel had told him that the Lord had already spoken to Peter. And he's trusting this whole encounter into the Lord's hands as the Lord speaks through Peter. So Peter began, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Guys, that is a dynamic change from everything Peter has understood all of his life. You cannot lessen the power of what's going on right there. For Peter to come in, I believe that God shows no partiality. He's been taught since childhood that God does show partiality. God loved the Jews and their mindset was, for the most part, God only loved the Jews. Too bad, so sad about you. Uh, but we, you know, I was born a Jew, and so I know that God loves me. So he goes on, he says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 
That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Again, first thing you see, this new revelation that God is putting in Peter's life, that very moment. Uh, Again, from the unclean animals, hey, don't call unclean what I call clean. Again, these Gentile servants, everything. Peter himself, is going through some major changes of his doctrine, major changes of his understanding. God is widening his concept of what grace is all about. And beloved, for you and I, we need to understand that the grace of God is wider than we can even begin to imagine. When Peter says, oh, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Such a dynamic and radical concept, even for a Christian and Jew. And now Peter is saying, hey, hey, I'm confessing this new revelation uh, before you here. And again, it's a revelation that these Gentiles, they would have never heard from any other Jew. They, they, they could have gone to a Jew on the street and said, let me ask you, how far does the grace of God stretch? And they would have said, get away from me, Gentile. It's only to us Jews. Here Peter say, no, I perceive much more than that. Peter continues to share about the life and the ministry of Jesus. He moves from the baptism uh, of Jesus by John the Baptist, where the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He had gone doing good, healing all those oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then Peter made it very clear that it was the Jews themselves who had actually killed the one whom God had anointed. And beloved, the simplicity of this message makes it so clear, clear even for these Gentiles. They didn't need some Gnostic higher knowledge. They didn't need to have some elite interpretation or presentation of the message. The gospel, again, was being declared to them right here at the house of Cornelius. The message, the the hope of the gospel from its very beginning has never been restricted or should have never been restricted by the educated elite. And yet through the history of the church, we see times where it was where only, again, this hierarchy within the church only knew the fullness of the truth. But the the very hope of the gospel is, is that it would reach the hearts of both the simple and the wise. How many of you are glad that uh, the gospel reaches the hearts of the simple? Amen? Amen. And the rest of the guys will be praying for you. And... uh, As a a matter of fact, it it was Jesus that that said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. 
So it's not this higher learning, uh, mystical revelation of things. No, the message of the gospel can come even to the simplicity of a child. I've got on my desk a uh, little form that we ask people to fill out if they want to be baptized. A uh, young girl from our fellowship asked, uh, well, actually, she's been working on this for about a year or so with her parents. Her parents were concerned whether or not she knew what baptism was all about. And so she filled out the form and gave it to me. And, I, and I've, I've just been blessed by reading it. Well, the, the form actually was, was put in place actually for probably an adult mind rather than a child mind. And so uh, part of it was, uh, when did you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And in the simplicity of a child, she says, I've always known Christ. Uh, well, that's true because I know her parents. Again, a godly home. Again, godly principles, the word of God in it all the time. And then there's another question. How have you seen your life change from the time you received Christ until now? And again, it's kind of like, I don't know. I've always known Jesus. <laughs> so the biggest thing I want to talk to her about is, okay, you do know what sin is, right? And I'm pretty certain she does because we've had other conversations through the last year or so. But the simplicity of that, of saying, I just want Jesus in my life and I want to receive his love and to understand and know, yes, I need to receive and know his forgiveness in my life. Cornelius himself, a godly man, a devout man, a generous man, a, a, according to the world standards, and, and even in the eyes of God, God is pleased with him. Cornelius still needed to understand that the gospel message isn't merely the good moral life and the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not just about the fact that Jesus came and lived a good life. The message of the gospel actually is not complete without the understanding of the resurrection. And so Peter continues on with his message. The one whom they killed by hanging on the tree. Look at verse 40. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God, and catch this because it's very important, ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. He goes on to say, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Peter makes it very clear that Jesus wasn't simply a, a moral man who lived his life in order to direct people, hey, this is how you need to live. He, he didn't simply live as an example for man. He wasn't uh, one who was the plan of God that somehow got interrupted by the schemes of man and the evil one who arrested him and crucified him. No, this was God's plan all along. God had sent him to be the sacrifice. His body isn't still laying in some grave right now, rotting away there in Jerusalem. No, because him, God raised up on the third day and showed him 
openly. Peter is telling the people that are listening to him here, that again, that he himself had experienced that risen Lord. He had eaten with him. He, he drank with him after the resurrection. They shared meals together. They shared time together. Peter knew personally that the resurrected Jesus wasn't some spirit man, but it was the real physical body of Christ raised up out of the grave that God gave life back to again. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and he presented himself alive after his sufferings to, with many infallible proofs, is what Luke tells us at the beginning of the book of Acts. But not only does Luke proclaim this, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he, he understands and he knows and he shares the validity, the reality of the resurrection. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. And he's saying, this is the gospel. This is the truth. This is what I preach to you, that which, which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved. You are saved by, the uh, again, the understanding and the receiving of the fullness of that gospel message. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Paul goes on, he says, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is also Peter, the one that we're speaking about this morning, also by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Oh, and after that, he was also seen by James, which was his half-brother. He was also seen by the other apostles. And then last of all, Paul writes, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Paul's testimony was that Jesus was seen by a multitude of people, again, with verifiable proof. And in essence, what Paul is saying, if you don't believe me, Ask one of them, because most of them are still alive, as he's writing to the Corinthian church at that time. So much we could say about the power and the necessity of the resurrection itself. Again, the gospel message is not complete without the reality of the resurrection. But for right now, let's go back to Peter. He explains here with Cornelius, he explains that because of the resurrection, there is a message of hope that all believers are to proclaim or preach to the people. And in the context of what he's saying, to all people. The reality that there is coming a day of judgment. And on that day, everyone, everyone will stand before Jesus Christ whom God himself has anointed or appointed or declared or delegated that Jesus Christ will be the judge of the living and the dead. So the question comes to us even this morning. What have you done with Jesus? Are you trying to live just a good moral life with an acceptance, oh yes, I, I, I believe that the word of God is, is good and true, but you've never really come to a point of you yourself personally acknowledging, receiving that forgiveness that comes through faith in Christ. Beloved, it's of absolute eternal importance that you settle that question 
in your life. Or one day you will stand before him as your judge rather than as your savior. Earlier on, just just shortly after the day of Pentecost, if you remember, Peter uh, was arrested and he was placed before the Sanhedrin, the, the high court of Israel. And he spoke there to them of Jesus Christ as the crucified, as the risen Savior. And he told these elite of Israel, he told these power brokers of Israel, he told these that had the power of life or death upon him, he told them as he spoke before them, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that there is salvation found in no other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And beloved, his message hasn't changed. Rather, it's the elite of Israel, uh, religious rulers, teachers of the law of Israel, a powerful officer of the Roman army, or lowly household servants. The message and the hope of the gospel is still the same, even today, 2019, here in Casa Grande, Arizona. And beloved, the invitation for that salvation extends to all. Look at verse 43. Through his name, the name of Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Peter explained all that God had commanded him to speak. He shared with him that God didn't, or that Jesus himself didn't come just simply to teach men about God. He came as the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ of God. He was ordained, he was commissioned by God to be the judge of all the earth, both the living and the dead. But beloved, not just to judge. First of all, he came as Savior. He came, yes, the anointed, the Messiah. He came to be the Redeemer of all, whoever would call upon his name. It's interesting to me that Jesus speaks a lot about the whoever's or the whosoever's. You don't need to look at these because there's a multitude of them. I'm just going to grab a, a few samples of it. But in Matthew 10, 32, Jesus himself says, Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Who are the whosoever's? Well, that word is actually the Greek word pas, P-A-S. And it carries with it the definition of all, everyone, whoever, the whole. That's the meaning of that word, whosoever. And I've shared with you uh, sometime in the past, whenever you see the, the word in the English all, the, when, you, when you go and you do the study within the Greek or, or the Hebrew of that word all, you find out that that word means all. That means all. So when we look at that word whosoever, and we understand that that word means all, everyone, whoever, the whole. And then we read the words of Jesus like in Mark 3.35, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. In Matthew again, Matthew 18, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of God. In John chapter 3, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world 
to save the world. The understanding that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Revelation 22, 17, we see in these words, let him who thirsts come. Whosoever desires, let him drink the water of life freely. We heard that in the Old Testament of Isaiah again. Whosoever will can come. We see Jesus himself repeating that there on the steps of the Temple Mount. Who Whosoever is thirsty, let him come. And now in Revelation, we see that coming again. Whosoever desires. Beloved, we cannot discount, we cannot change the meaning of whosoever will may come. Otherwise, we become like those closed-minded, closed-hearted Jews who felt that they were the only ones that God cared for and the only ones that God would redeem. When the word declares, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sin, beloved, you need to understand that's the truth and that's what opens the doors to the, not only the, well, the Gentile world, literally the whole world. And yes, I also understand that we need to recognize the balance of that doctrine and the reality that Jesus himself also declared that no one can come to him unless the Father who sent me draws him. But we need to see both and we need to accept the balance of both. For those who lived in the household of Cornelius for some time, they had heard of the greatness of God They wanted to be devoted to him, but because of the message of the Jews, both through their words as well as their actions, these Gentiles did not fully believe that they would ever have a chance to enter into the fullness of God's grace. They felt that they were rejected by God simply because they were born on the wrong side of the plan of redemption. And now Peter is proclaiming to them that God has a plan for all men, for whosoever believes. Cornelius, his household, his relatives, his friends, they all needed to hear that message. Peter's message brought hope, brought the fullness of the hope of salvation. And then here back in Acts 10, down in verse 44, we read this. That while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The hope of the gospel was touching the lives of these men and these women, probably even children that were with them. And as Peter spoke, those walls of rejection were torn down and these that were there, they dared to enter into that hope that's found nowhere else. And even as we read within the word, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Through the grace of God, their faith was opened and mercy, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit of God poured out upon them. Now we're going to look more about that work of the Holy Spirit next week. But for right now, you and I need to simply understand the limitless, unbounded love of God, that we would not put walls, we would not put barriers, nor would we believe that God has put walls or barriers for us, but God's love reaches out. 
Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.